0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast that has no name, but we do know this podcast is all about the drivers. Eric Westler here with you, along with Mike Kwiatkowski and Frank
1: Carroll. Gentlemen, how are you today? Fine hey, Eric. As
2: frog hairs.
1: Oh, go say that again, Eric. Fine as what? frog hairs.
2: That's right.
1: Fine
0: as frog hairs? Now, <laughs> you've you lost me on that one, Frank. I didn't I know about frogs to say, had you about at those- all.
1: Frog hairs that are supposed to be on your head. I don't think I don't see any That's frog right. hairs on your head. Or, or, These Frank. are
2: frog hairs, see?
1: <laughs> oh
0: my, my, my.
1: <laughs> well we You do look gold. <laughs> gall- you do you do that is a good look on you though, Frank. You you do hope bald is beautiful for you.
2: Well, you know, I didn't have any choice. The hair was racing to the back, so I had to let it let it end.
0: <laughs> racing to the back. You guys were full of laughs this this Friday afternoon, that is for sure. Frog hairs and racing to the back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, we got another good podcast on tap. Uh, We have another person, uh, young lady, Arnisa Johnson, who's been with the company for quite some time. Arnisa, welcome to our podcast.
3: Thank you. Glad to be here, Eric.
0: We are glad to have you, Arnisa. We'll go through some uh, questions about the driver experience and uh, you being a driver at one point in time and then working your way up to, I believe it's a district manager now, is that correct?
3: That's correct. That's
0: right. You, you probably have a wealth of knowledge to to tell the people about, the drivers, especially our new drivers. Um, but before we do that, there's some people that want to know about your background here at Greyhound. So if you'll tell us a little bit about that.
3: Well, I started with the company in 1997 and I came in as a driver here in the Richmond uh, area. It was like four weeks long when I came through, so they have uh, downsized a great deal. And um, but I went after four years, I was invited to become a field instructor. Uh, that's where we were able to teach at the home locations. Uh, we weren't. Uh, we didn't have that knowledge we needed yet to get to the school yet. So maybe about six years into it, they invited me to come to the school. And I, you know, one of those people, I excelled at what I did. So they asked me to become a classroom instructor. So moved on. After looking around and really getting a feel for the drivers and uh, looking at management, I thought that I could take my talents onto the management side. And I, became an ops manager in Richmond, Virginia, and moved on into Cleveland, Ohio. And from Cleveland, Ohio, I was a, a interim city manager in Detroit, Michigan. And then they uh, asked me if I would uh, mind taking the city manager position as a uh, city manager in Detroit, Michigan. And from that point, I came back to Richmond, good old Richmond. And uh, from there, uh, I was a city manager Uh, area driver manager, then city manager, and then moved into last year in the district manager position. So, I've had a great career with Greyhound thus far, and uh, I'm enjoying the ride. Well, (laughs) sounds like you've
0: done quite a bit on this ride with Greyhound, uh, all along the east coast and up north. seems like you like the cold weather locations.
3: I'm born and raised in Akron, Ohio.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. i Midwestern. Wow. wow. Packer, Say, Detroit. Man. Detroit's a pretty rough town. I don't know if I'd <laughs> want to go up there to Detroit. I'd be, I might be scared.
3: <laughs> family and friends. Got family there, so felt protected.
2: Now, now, when you're in Ohio, being from Ohio, does that make you Ohio State fan? Oh, absolutely. The Buckeyes. Oh, no,
3: no,
0: no. <laughs> there you go, Frank. So you, you can't get by with that that longhorn today. So. Oh, right. Lord.
2: I'll, I'll talk her into it
0: uh, you got a hard road to go on that one because
1: those right. Buckeyes are pretty tough
2: Absolutely. <laughs> they are. yeah
1: the best thing about the Buckeyes is they're marching band I'll tell you that
2: <laughs> yeah the guy dotting the eye that, that is a pretty pretty <laughs> pretty neat thing
1: well Arnisa
0: um we'll let these gentlemen kick off with some questions about the driver experience uh, Frank you want to lead us into the conversation today
2: I'd be glad to. And, you know, I've known our for a very long time. We've interacted on several projects over the years. Uh, I just, you know, I, you told us a little bit about some of the stops you made, but just tell us about how your career evolved. Uh, and I know that you could have easily stayed as a driver, but what really enticed you about Greyhound to kind of not only be a driver, but kind of continue on and moving into the management ranks?
3: Well, um, like I said, the training part of it was just excellent. It uh, provided me with some outlooks on different things that I thought I was good at. And as I continued with the training, I noticed there were so many more things that they had shown me to help keep me safe on the road. And as I began to be a driver and see what was going on, and even in management, I, I looked at my manager that I had and and how he was so concerned about the drivers. And I thought my position, uh, I thought I would escalate it into the management world because I thought that I had a gift that I could give to the drivers. It meant a lot to me to keep us safe on the roads and having the talent. So I just figured it out, would go that route. So it mm-hmm. helped me in the long run becoming an instructor first because it gave me an opportunity to teach other people how to drive our buses and to drive them safely. But one of the exciting things that I did was when the corporate level folks came to the school and we were able to put them on the bus and allow them to drive the bus around the cones. (laughs) Oh, they were so excited. (laughs) They couldn't believe that you could, you know, teach from the seat and just tell them which way to turn the wheel and they could get it around the cone. So that was really exciting time at that time. I had Mike Fleshauer, some of you may know him.
2: Oh, yeah. He was just so
3: excited He said, I didn't hit one comb. Our niece was a great teacher. (laughs) So, all of those things uh, really led me to want to become a manager because, um, you know, I wanted to write some wrongs that I was seeing as well as a driver. There were some areas that I felt like could have been better. And so, I thought that, you know, I would take on that uh, responsibility of moving forward into my career and becoming a manager so that i can help out in that area
2: how challenging was it for you to move out of the driver's seat into the manager's seat uh pretty big difference i would imagine
3: it really wasn't hard frank because um believe it or not when you become an instructor people uh drivers especially they see you as a manager type person already and mm-hmm. keeping to the standards always help. If you come into it the right way and, and they see you as a person who, you know, does things the right way, they uh, respect you no matter what position you go into. So the, I believe I have more respect coming into the manager part because I was a driver
1: that I started out mm-hmm. in the seat. I would think so. And i me be asking this because, you know, getting people to do things the right way can be a challenge, especially when we're training as many people as we are today. So how do you how do you instill that sense of standards and doing things the right way to new people? Do you have a trick or something that you do or.
3: Well, I, I tell them uh, if you do it right the first time, then you don't have to repeat it, you know, so mm. oftentimes when you try to cut corners, for instance if you fail to look 15 seconds ahead of your bus to identify accident-producing situations, you'll find yourself in a situation that you may not be able to get out of. So if you do it right the first time, looking 15 seconds ahead and moving your head every five to eight seconds and watching things, you can assure that you and your customers are gonna be safe on that road.
1: I keep going back to this, you know, the, the, the fact that we're doing, the safety and training aspect of Greyhound just can't be underrated. Let me ask you. You know, to your point earlier, we've we've changed it from a four week school down to like a one week school in a one week school in phase three, and uh, we've been talking internally a lot. You know, is that was that the right thing to do? And should we go back to a two week school? And you know, I think one of the things I've been pushing for, and I think maybe you would agree with this, is we really should go back to a two week school when it comes to training. Uh, would you agree with that, or do you think we're and maybe I, why? I definitely agree with that
3: because. Um, like I said, I came through when it was four weeks long. And the thought of cramming four weeks into one week, you can really see the difference. Uh, even with uh, uh, re- retaining drivers, there's so much that they don't know once they get on the road. Where if we had a two week school, mm-hmm. it gives them more time to get into habit. For instance, you have a one-week school and they're not really uh, on the road as much as they were prior to coming to phase three. So now those habits have not really formed that well. So now you have to make sure that you have strong instructors at the home level to continue to inspire them to do the right thing. And if you don't have a strong instructor at the home location, You now possibly could lose somebody, you know, in the trenches from not, you know, passing through phase three because they find it, you know, difficult. Whereas if you kept them in the school environment and they have a syllabus that they go by on a daily basis and they're on the road with instructors. And and another thing I'm finding where we have students who come back, they're scared to drive at night. We should have known that prior to them coming to phase three. But because they don't have nighttime driving, because they only have one mm-hmm. week up there, you can't really you know, evaluate them on that.
1: Now, that's a great point. I, I didn't mean to laugh. Yeah, the, the night driving, I've heard that so many times in the past since I've yeah. taken on this new role in the last three or four weeks. And I'm like, how could they not realize that we do operate buses at night? It's just—it's like a no-brainer to me. But And you're right. With the two-week school that we are doing in Chicago now for the permit drivers,
2: mm-hmm. they are
1: getting that extra day of really day and night of night driving to kind of stress them out make them run long hours you know because it is it's a hard job as you as you well know right you have mm-hmm. to work 10 12 hour days sometimes and then go to bed so you can get up again and do it again all the next morning and it takes a while to get used to that uh, especially getting your rest um, is that something they- you really have to focus with on the new drivers as well
3: yeah, that expectation of them sitting in the seat for a long period of time, I think that that's a key theme right there that you said, because um, as an instructor and having two students and taking them out with the nighttime drive, daytime drive, and they having to sit in the seat five hours, you know, mm-hmm. with, with some breaks, but still the driver. And so you get to see that stamina, you know, whether they're going to last. And then when they get in in phase three now, because we haven't been able to evaluate that, we see where drivers are struggling, you know, staying in seat, and even mm-hmm. to the point of where
1: the instructor may have to take over because they're tired. Coming fresh out of school, right, obviously you're a little nervous. What was your, I guess, more fearful, scariest moment when you were starting out?
3: I would have to say going to New York City. Oh mGs. <laughs> Just the thought of going through that tunnel now by myself. I don't have an instructor there to feel secure with and and I got uh I would say to myself, if these passengers really knew how I felt right now, they'd be scared to write.
2: <laughs>
3: but I got the confidence what I loved about that though, my first night I had so many regular drivers come to say, you're going to be all right. You got, you have your right guy. You know, if you just, you know, stay the course, you're going to be fine. And they they were very encouraging. That really helped me, uh, you know, in the seat all night long. I thought about what the the instructor said to me, you know, keeping my head and eyes moving, keeping alert, you know, so all of that, you know, was fantastic, but going into New York city, with yeah. all those lanes coming into two lanes, going through that tunnel, that was very scary for me. But after I did it, you know, I got over the fear of it. It was great. It was fantastic.
1: You mentioned the fact, you know, the support you got from the older drivers. You know, it's something that we talk of. You know, Frank and I, as far as this mentoring program, we really try to encourage that. Um, when you in Richmond, when you're dealing with folks, you know, how do you create that sort of environment in Richmond? Well, or how do you try I- to, I should say. Well,
3: I have a uh, I have a fantastic team. You know, uh, everybody knows my expectation and uh we we're, we're like a family. You know, yeah. we're like family oriented and when we talk to our drivers, we're we're not critical of them, we're trying to get them to understand and adhere to our standards and why it's important. And when you're teaching adults, you can't just say you need to do this. You need to say why you need to do it. And Mm -hmm. that gives them a better uh, sense of the importance of doing that task. So we talk with our people on a daily basis, but then I talk with my team. You know, I communicate Mm -hmm. with my team on a regular basis. And that encourages them to go out and do the right thing, you know, by our drivers. So I think just one hand washing the other, you as a leader taking care of your people, then your people continue to take care of our drivers. And our drivers to take care of our customers.
2: You said something very interesting there about your team knows your expectations. Uh, did you conduct yourself that same way when you were a driver? The passengers knew your expectations?
3: Absolutely. I had customers that would ride with me, Frank, and they would say, when you when you leave in New York, because I'm coming right back. I want to know what <laughs> schedule you're going to be bringing back because you do not play. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so, you know, I just uh, said what the expectations were, you know, from things that I had learned from the school and on my announcements, I put it in there. And so they knew what, you know, we could do and what we couldn't do. And I always presented myself friendly and people always seemed to adhere. I never had any issues on my bus and I drove for from 1997 until 2011.
0: Well, it's time to park the bus in this conversation with Arnisa Johnson, but this is just part one. So be sure to tune in to part two as the conversation continues about the Greyhound driver experience.